Hello and welcome to Matrescence Awakening with Kieran Lee. I'm your host, Kieran, a childbirth educator and matrescence coach. I'm bringing you soulful chats with some of my favorite spiritual powerhouses so we can bust down the myths of craziness surrounding spirituality. If you're on your matrescence journey, it's time to embrace your spiritual awakening so you can get to know yourself better and thrive in this new season of life. Today's wonderful guest is Tara Saitano. Tara is a women's mentor, entrepreneur, writer, spoken word poet, and mother of two. Obsessed with guiding the visionary leaders of our time to encode their creations and lives with supreme self-enrichment, Tara leans into her nature as a creator to bring words, wisdom, and a new standard of support to the realm of new earth business, and ultimately, how we can create a rich and decadent existence for ourselves and our families. She's the founder of Bold Heart Creative, a creative agency that weaves intimacy, intentionality, and embodied expression into the creative process of artists, entrepreneurs, and bold-hearted humans, as well as the virtual assistance assistant artistry academy she's also beginning her matrescence journey once again having just birthed her daughter at home in april and is a huge advocate for the ripple effect of taking radical responsibility for one's birth and postpartum journey so tara welcome 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 can i just first off say rich and decadent existence for ourselves and our families um yes please sign (laughs) me up for that (laughs) it's the only way isn't it it's really the only way we get one shot at this so why not make it as rich and as decadent as we possibly can yes yes and just that beautiful way that you have with words in creating these things that I've never thought of seeing it as a rich and decadent existence. But now that I've heard it, of course, <laughs> that's all it has to be. So that's the that's the power, I think, of just, you know, when you decide that that's something that you want and then you put it out there, then women are like, oh, my God, I didn't know that I could even have it that way. And it's like now I don't, I can't go any, like, any direction that's different to that because yeah. now I know that exists. Yes. Um, I'm so, so excited to have you here and to have this chat with you today. We don't really know where it's going to go. And I think that's part of the exciting part of it. Um, I want to start though, by asking, what does spirituality mean to you? You know, having, having a spiritual practice or feeling like a spiritual being, what does that actually mean? I think for myself, it means just having a relationship with something bigger than myself. And that can be obviously like some kind of guide, some kind of wisdom that is beyond me, but it's also just this feeling of like, I am not alone. I'm not alone in anything that I move through. And I'm also not alone in any decisions that I make or just, it really allows me to feel a sense of belonging to something bigger. And I think that that's evolved a lot over time and it's been something that I think most recently within the last year or so, it's again evolved with my own pregnancy journey and birth journey. And it's, um, it's just coming to understand that like, I, I am powerful because I am belonging to something bigger than me. And I think if you're connected or you have some relationship with your own power, you have some relationship with to the, to the spiritual side of life. And I think that if we choose to see it in that way, it can feel even more inviting because we all want to feel powerful and we can all kind of tap into the fact that, yeah, that means that we're connected to something bigger. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that you kind of use that word um, or, or, or that that concept of lonely or loneliness because I think for me when before I was kind of really connected to that spiritual side of me I had you know the connection that I had with the girl's dad Max when we were still together and that felt really beautiful but outside of that I still felt really lonely when I was surrounded by people didn't matter how many people I was surrounded with there was often this sense of loneliness that come from it and you know now being a single mum when I've got even more time to myself I feel so much less lonely because I feel so much more connected to something bigger than myself. Is that kind of the way you see it as well, that it's not necessarily like having to have people surround you or or telling you certain things or holding you in a certain way? It's like this connection with, with self is what can help us not feel that loneliness. Definitely. I think that that relationship to self has been 
a huge priority for me and something that I got to really like deepen having watched my mom as a single mother as well and the way that she had to form this strong relationship to herself in many different seasons and and stages of, of, you know, being mothered by her. Um, She was like a really big role model for me in um, just seeing what happened when you really prioritized yourself and you formed that relationship with yourself and you led from that place. Um, And so growing up, I just, the relationship that I had with myself just felt like it was constantly calling me. It was calling me to constantly like go deeper here, go deeper here. Um, And that has definitely helped me in, yeah, that sense of belonging and not feeling as, as lonely. And I think that like, if I really look at it, every single kind of time that I, you know, step out of my comfort zone, do something differently or embark on a season of life that feels a little bit new, um, like there is a period of isolation where you are kind of navigating something that you can't yet put words to or you can't, like the people around you don't get it. Um, you're, you're traversing something entirely new and unknown. And so there's this element of isolation. But if you have this spiritual connection and this connection to self, it doesn't matter how isolated you can feel or are in certain seasons of your life. There is this knowing that, yeah, I'm connected still. There's a connection available to me. So in your kind of experience or in your own words, why do you think we do need to go through that feeling of isolation when we do step into a new role, into a new way of being or a new concept or, you know, shedding beliefs and and things like that. Why does that need to come with that feeling of isolation before we can move through that, do you think? I think that it's, it's a necessary part of that kind of rite of passage experience almost, you know, like you hear of um, different rites of passage, you know, in the world, with different cultures and different elements of our life. I feel like there's this need to meet something without being able to offload a sense of responsibility or having um, that feedback from another that can distract you from your own intuitive, intuitive knowing or there's this need for that isolation so that you can develop a level of conviction I think that is going to be required of you as you move forward. And without that conviction or without that sense of I know what I feel and I know what matters to me, like you're not going to be able to navigate what's coming. So I think there needs to be a level of isolation. So you're almost forced into a deeper, um, yeah, just a deeper relationship with with yourself. Mm, I feel that so heavily in that I, you know, previously I've always gone out to seek the answers from other people when things feel tough or hard you know it's uncomfortable to sit with the shifts that that we can experience and yeah unless I am by myself with with my own thoughts and with my own feelings I you know the safety feels like to go out and just seek external answers which is never going to bring me back home to myself or my own truth or or knowing and it's not nearly as satisfying at the end of the no. day. Like, <laughs> if you've embarked on something where you really had no one to turn to or you had no one's el- no one else's advice or wisdom to lean on and you had to figure it out for yourself, there's this sense of satisfaction that's born from that where you're, you're, your sense of like self-empowerment and your, uh, your resourcefulness and your like capacity to meet whatever shows up, it's enhanced and you suddenly feel like you can you can meet life in a new way more so than you did before yes absolutely and so you are just embarking on a new part of your matrescence journey a deeper part and another part however we you kind of want to um, picture that but you just had the birth of your beautiful daughter in April at home how was that experience the home birth it was phenomenal. It was, um, it was, yeah, I, I'm, I still am struggling to put words to how phenomenal it was, um, which, you know, it was only three and a half weeks ago. So I'm still very much in the portal of that, you know, just after birth. Um, but it was, yeah, myself and my partner and a beautiful friend here at home. And it was one of those things that I really had to, um 
yeah, I, I did a lot of work through my pregnancy to meet myself in a whole new way. And I felt had a very strong connection to her before she arrived. And um, I, it's, it's, it's funny because the whole thing has led me to really see how little we hear people saying I've just freshly birthed a baby and I am thriving and I feel amazing and I am in my power. And there's like, there's nothing that I feel I can't do right now. And like, being in that place so fresh after birth and feeling it with so much truth and conviction I'm realizing how little we hear that and how uncomfortable and isolating it is actually to actually say that out loud and and own that and um, yeah so it's been interesting to go on that journey to recognize okay this is a, a, a different type of postpartum for me because with my son um four and a half years ago you know it wasn't like that and so I feel like there's just this beautiful contrast of experiences being presented to me right now and yeah I'm just reveling in in the power that it's it's put me in beyond birth. Thank you so much for feeling comfortable and safe to share that in this space because I think that is a really really powerful perspective to be able to share with women that actually we don't have to go into this place of complete struggle or um, unknown or just doubting ourselves all of the time. And of course, you know, so many of women do experience that. And if that's your experience holding you in that as well, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. That's just part of your journey. But there is the other side to it in that we can actually thrive. We can actually feel really good and really creative and just revel in this newness and and enjoy the bubble instead of hoping that we can get out the bubble and it's going to be easier one day so absolutely oh no my pleasure I think that because I do know the opposite and I do know what it is to struggle in in this particular stage and I also feel like you know there is um there's what's familiar to us and then there's what's unfamiliar and it has been challenging I will admit to navigate some of the I guess the projections of what this time that I'm in right now should and shouldn't include or how I should and shouldn't feel and you know what I have so much respect for um, those that are experiencing or have experienced the complete opposite to what I'm feeling because I was there too and so there's just this compassion and there's this empathy and there's also just this let's just allow ourselves to be fully in our truth and if that truth is one of complete overwhelm and complete struggle right now and just wanting to get beyond it then being allowed to own that proudly and just you know really not feel that shame attached to that and if it's the opposite as well also just holding each other in in the fact that it can be that full spectrum if we you know let ourselves experience it and and see it in others as well. And I think there's also a really um, good lesson here in the self-responsibility of the way that we receive other people's stories as well. Because if you are struggling, again, holding you there, holding you in that, it doesn't mean that you have to feel bad or shitty about your own circumstance, or it doesn't mean that you have to project onto someone else and think, well, she's just, you know, she just thinks that she's better than me or anything like that. Because any of those triggers or projections that come out is just that beautiful internal reflection that there's something there for yourself Mm. to be working through when you have the capacity. It's not like you need to be deep in the trenches of struggle and thinking, I need to do this work now, but just maybe flag it like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. And like, I think I've just learned through this whole, whole process that like we see a woman thriving in one element and we just automatically assume that like, either she's thriving in every element and therefore like it's like a massive trigger when that's not true like we all are struggling in some way in something like we're all transitioning through our own um you know shadows in one respect or another um or there's this i like projection that um if if things are going really well, then it's like fake <laughs> and yeah. that, you know, they're, they're denying something. And so, or they're not aware of like how much they're actually struggling and they're putting on a front. And so it's just been so interesting to just observe where do I do that with other areas of life and where do I assume that there is just, you know, only one way that something happens and I've completely shut myself off to other potentials and, 
um, that in itself is really fun to play with. You know, I, I could be doing that in business or I could be doing that with, you know, relationships, who knows? Um, but it's been awesome to have that, you know, that flagged for me as that's something that we do as part of our human behavior. Yeah. And what do you think was the difference between your after the birth of your son where you really felt like you were struggling and this birth with your beautiful daughter? What do you think you did differently? How did you show up differently? What has been the difference in those two experiences, do you think? Oh, my God, how much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) All the time in the world. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I could go down 50 million tangents here, but I will... Yeah, I mean, I just want to say first and foremost, like that was my first experience of moving through pregnancy, birth, becoming a mother. Like there's just so much newness and things that I'm completely oblivious to. And there's so much education around birth and that I wasn't privy to. And there was so much, um, you know, just a lack within our, you know, our, our culture, the way that we haven't been able to witness the the transitions that play out for women because to be honest I just wasn't surrounded by many women that were moving through that season of their life and it was just so fresh and so I think that um you know that plays a big role in it and so I have so much compassion for those moving through pregnancy birth postpartum for the first time because I think that in itself comes with its own um things to traverse right and Going through it the second time, you know, the first time I did not take any responsibility for my full experience in that I put my power in the hands of others. And I also didn't um, have, yeah, that prior knowledge of, of things that I really wish I had known, like the way that the medical system works or the way that, you know, all those those kind of little elements. Um, and I also just had my own, you know, mother wound stuff to work on. And um, I saw motherhood as being, you know, something that was going to be this massive drain on my energy and something that would just leak away my life force. And I didn't know that I felt that way until I was in it. And um, I had to do a lot of work around that. And so this time around, I mean, between the two births, I actually trained as a doula. Um, So I was like totally, I had a totally different perspective on on birth and I had really lent in to um, the birth education and also just how sacred the whole experience is for a woman and should be and should, like I, I have the ability to claim that back for myself. So this time around um, I really had a beautiful time of preconception of connecting in with the like the spirit of my baby and I really um, began to take those little nudges of like do this, do that, you know, don't do this, don't do that. In that preconception time I began to take those really seriously and brought a bit of ceremony to that aspect. And then once I did conceive um, my pregnancy, I just I was so attuned to to her and the experience that she was wanting to call in. And so um, I, in a meditation, I actually received how she wanted to be birthed. And it was like, mum, it's this way or nothing. And um, I was at first a little bit like, oh, can I really do that? Like, can I really take responsibility for my birth in that way? Um, Am I ready for this? Like all the questions come up and I am grateful that pregnancy lasts for nine months or 10 months because I was, I had that time to really lean into what it means to me to take full responsibility for my experience and to completely um, just own the requests of my child um, and really trust myself on a level that I'd never trusted myself before and also trust in what others can't see yet because um, it's one thing for me to be receiving these messages and receiving this guidance from my baby that's in my womb and then it's another for those that aren't me, you know, especially those within, um, you know, close proximity to me that really care about me and the baby to just trust me in that knowing, you know, and being able to communicate that and be able to 
be in my conviction for what it is that I know and, and want to trust within myself. And so, yeah, it was just a really beautiful journey of embarking on, um, you know, those those topics of trust and responsibility. And then the birth itself was a very empowering, very empowering birth. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I walked away from my son's birth feeling like a shell of a, of a woman and feeling like I had just been through a really traumatic experience and I came out of my daughter's birth um, feeling like a million bucks. So two very, very different experiences that had various um, flow-on effects. So, for example, I had a lot of trouble feeding my son and it was a, a quite an intensive, um, you know, journey of exclusively breast uh, uh, pumping his milk for him and just, like, going to different appointments and just, like, really just feeling like a struggle uh, around being able to provide for him in that way. And then with my daughter, like it's just been quite smooth in the feeding department. So I think there's lots of very various aspects that have contributed to the overall feeling. But at the end of the day, um, I think that it all comes down to taking ownership and responsibility of the whole thing for myself and not putting it in the hands of others. Yeah, and that's a scary place to be if you're not used to taking self-responsibility. If, you know, you find safety in that that victim mentality or other people will know what's right for me or what's best for me, it can be really scary to say, well, actually, I'm in control here of this of this journey. I am responsible. How did you start to develop that that I guess that deep trust or intuitive guidance or knowings that, yeah, I do have the power here within me to take responsibility and I'm going to make these decisions and I know that this is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think that like a lot of us want to just jump to like something really big and just be like, okay, I have to make myself, you know, feel really comfortable with having this much responsibility when our nervous system is just like, ah, like no way. And it's just, it's just not supportive or sustainable for us. I think for me, it was like taking responsibility for the very small things that have not many consequences or don't have many risks involved and asking myself, how do I feel when I really take ownership and responsibility and trust myself in these, you know, relatively small Non, not very risky situations, things that really only affect me, right? And from there, I think you start to you start to provide evidence for yourself that you can trust yourself in certain situations, and you constantly meet that edge and bring that out and start expanding into other other areas of your life. Um, but I think ultimately, what I had to face in in really strengthening that self trust with myself was. I think it all comes down to like who we are and like that identity piece behind like if I trust myself that much, who do I become? And where who like where do I judge that woman that trusts herself that much? Because I could, you know, count many, many times through my life where I've seen a woman trust herself just with such conviction and strength. And I've judged her for the decisions that she's making or the way that she's showing up or who she is. And I had to realize and, you know, get comfortable with the fact that I will become that woman that I have judged in the past, regardless of what area of life, you know, she was demonstrating that. But I I had to face off with that. And I also had to meet a story around um, becoming the fool. I think that a lot of us, if we really look underneath, you know, the whole idea of self-trust, it's if I trust myself so, so, so much with this and then it doesn't work out or it doesn't, like if I'm wrong and then I'm this, I'm the fool and I'm going to be seen in that way, what then? Like what does that make me? What does that mean about me? And I had to like really look at, okay, if I'm the fool at the end of the day, what what, what am I going to make that mean? And this showed up in various elements of my life, not just related to birth, but in other parts of life. And I really had to own and be okay with like, if I come out the end of this looking like a fool, I need to be okay with that. And I need to come to some acceptance around that. And I need to, I need to make peace with that part of 
that the possibility of that because that can happen at any time all the time like for example like this is relatively small but I was absolutely convinced like and so I had such a strong knowing through my whole pregnancy and even through conception that I was birthing a daughter and I did not embark on any scans that would confirm um you know the gender but I was like I openly spoke about her and I openly spoke about you know the fact that I was birthing a daughter and I'm not just talking about to family and friends like through my social media channels through just expressing poetry around the beautiful um you know process of having a daughter within my womb like I was just so open about having a daughter and I was very very aware that I may not be having a daughter you know but for me it was like can I trust this knowing within me and just let myself live it like let myself live what it is that I feel I know knowing full well that I may come at the other end and it's a boy and I'm like there's going to be people out there that are like oh my god you look ridiculous you look silly now but I just I just tuned into who that woman would be at the end that birthed a son and all I could think of was oh my gosh Tara I'm so proud of you because even though you didn't have evidence of something, you believed so much and you believed so fast and you, you were all in and that's something to be proud of. Not who cares if it's, a, if it's a different outcome, but who you became in the process of trusting yourself is something to be proud of. And for that, you know, you win. You win always because if you can have your own back, I think that that's something that you can't buy, you know. So do you feel like when you talk about uh, being the fool, do you think the biggest fear for you within that is people externally to you thinking that you would be a fool or the story that you would tell yourself or the judgment that you would hold around yourself for being the fool? It was definitely uh, people around me and people outside of me because I think that, you know, we can talk about how, um, you know, we can bring all of the spiritual conversation around, you know, just having that sense of sense of self and, and belief in ourselves and strength in that way. But we're human beings at the end of the day that need to feel like we belong collectively, like we have people around us that love us, appreciate us and respect us. And so there was an element of, will my community look at me differently as the fool? And I remember having a, um, I remember having a boyfriend um, in my early 20s where who had a very different growing, uh, very different experience growing up, um, different family dynamics, a whole lot of things. And I guess he saw me as uh, rather privileged in the way that I grew up with, you know, my parents and stuff like that. And I remember him saying to me at one point when I tried to um, suggest something for him, he, he said, you know, you're a fool for thinking that that's possible. And that stuck with me. And I think he also said um, that's a really naive, you know, way of, of of saying that or something. And I it, it stuck with me of, oh, wow, could I be that naive that, you know, I, I believe in something that others don't and in the end I become a, a bit of a fool and I'm seen as like this naive woman that doesn't really know what she's talking about. And so that story has kind of just been in my mind of um, if if you trust yourself so much, Tara, and believe in yourself, you may end up, you know, making that true. People might think that you're naive and that you are a fool and that could affect your relationships and how loved you are on the outside and you need to make peace with that. Yeah, so like being scared of this self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, what he said is right and maybe I was wrong in that situation because, you know, I didn't get it right. And yeah. I think that's a part of the um scary unknown fearful part of spirituality if you're if you've never grown up with someone who so deeply trusts themselves or believes in something bigger that they can't see it's like well you know how can you believe that how can how do you feel those things within your body that just seems ridiculous that you would go and seek guidance from spirit guides that you can't see or connecting in with your baby in the womb like that is ridiculous no one has that connection with their baby in the womb and I think that's why I'm really loving bringing these conversations to the world through all sorts of different amazing people, because there's so much variance in one, what spirituality is and what it means to people. And two, just really sharing those stories of, yeah, it it is safe to be able to trust things that we can't see or feel or smell or sense. 
that it's okay if you just have this energy of, yeah, something just feels bigger than me here and I'm going to trust and lean into that for guidance. Mm. And it feels so scary because it's just not familiar, you know, but the minute it becomes familiar, that fear and that scariness dissolves and it's almost like, what have I been waiting for, you know? And you start to surround yourself with people that also resonate with, with you know, your your connections to, you know, your unique spirituality. And, like, I, I, I can think back to when this whole world of spirituality was, like, relatively new to me and I didn't have many people around me that, like, spoke like this or talked about things like this. And you kind of can feel like it's huge, it's big, it's scary, but like, you know, you and I having this conversation, this is a regular part of my day. Like I, these kinds of conversations are all I talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and it's like I, my friends and I, we talk about this stuff like like it's, you know, we're asking each other how's the weather. So it's not scary anymore. And I think that um, if you can just let yourself get like through the scary bit, knowing that it's not going to be around forever, you know. Yes. And for me personally, I noticed so much of a change in my energy between, you know, a teenage Kieran that just used to go and gossip and talk about other people and, you know, project things and go into a victim mentality versus now in this world when these conversations are just so normal where it's like, hey, all right, well, let's talk about ourselves and what does that mean? And, you know, what's this thing coming up that's I'm trying to get this lesson out of? There's such a difference in my energy in finishing those conversations or, you know, ending a catch up with a person between that, I feel energized. I feel nourished. I feel supported versus, you know, gossipy and drama when it just feels so draining and it just feels so icky. So there can be that transition between, all right, yeah, I don't really know people to talk about this stuff with and all all my friends think I'm weird to then going out and finding and seeking the support of community and other people who do really value this kind of conversation. Yeah, I mean, you have so much to gain, right? Like it's, yes, in in the people, in the friendships and all of that, but, yeah, exactly like you said, that how you feel, it just it changes how you feel on a really big level and so it's so worth it. And so the work that you're doing now in, in your um, two businesses that you've got, it's really intuitive, you're channeling words and poetry and so much beautiful stuff. How did you start to develop these skills to bring this sort of um, support through to the women and that you work with in this, these two spaces? Um, I think that a lot of, I mean, when it comes to things like channeling words for others, it's that side of my business came about because, I mean, I've always been very passionate about communication and being able to articulate the real essence of what it is that we, we feel. And I think that it was one of those things where I didn't really know I could do something until someone was like, can you do that for me? Because I see that you do that really well for yourself. And I was like, yeah, sure. No worries. And then I I was able to do that for someone else. And I was like, wow, that's super fun. And I love being able to be that, that conduit for that creation for them and help them support them in like really receiving what wants to come through. And um, I think it really helped that I just have never kind of put myself in the way of like learning the way to write for someone, if that makes sense. Like I've just allowed myself to, to trust the process, my creative process versus like having to unlearn like a specific kind of, this is how you write for business kind of thing that I went to uni for or something. Um, So I think that's, that's helped that process. And I think at the end of the day, like when it comes to either, the poetry or the the copy or the VA Academy or even just in mentoring, I feel like through everything that I do, it all comes down to I just want to enrich our lives. I want to enrich our creations. I want to enrich the world that my children are growing up in. And that to me happens when we are just so incredibly connected to like that that raw essence of of what it is we're, we're doing, what it is we're creating and how it is we're being. And so... Yeah, I just kind of recognized that I had the ability to to bring words and wisdom to that which is like underneath, you know, it's underneath what it is we think we're doing, but it's like at the core, what are we really doing and how can we articulate that and translate that? And um yeah, I mean, it's 
like when I work with entrepreneurs that at the end of the day, like they value that as much as I do. It's like, whoa, like that's amazing. We've been able to communicate that. But for others, I can also see how that could be kind of like, whoa, that's like super deep. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's not for everyone, but it's for those that genuinely love to play in the space of, um, yeah, what is what is truly at play here? Yeah, and I think that's so beautiful that you've just followed your own own journey, own in, intuitive um, guidance there or you know, some people in that 3D world might say you just kind of fell into it because people approached you by seeing what you've done and it's kind of grown from there. Um, whereas I would kind of say like you were more just guided into that path or followed those little breadcrumbs into what your true calling is and just been able to share so much of that magic. And I think, you know, in terms of the business side of things, if there's things that we find easy or that we find joyful or playful, it's like, well, how can I create a business from that? Or or, or I can't create a business from that because everyone can do that. I find it easy. So everyone finds it easy rather than seeing it as like, okay, this is actually my magic. And this Mm. is, I'm going to bring this essence of myself to the world and people are going to love it. Yeah. And I also want to say there as well that a lot of the time your strengths, your gifts, the things that you can bring to the world are also born from wounds as well in that like if you look at me and obviously communication being at the core of what I do, I grew up feeling severely misunderstood. And for me, like I don't think I was like a natural communicator from the get-go. I think I had to like work at how can I say this how can I communicate this so that this person understands me because of this wounding or this need to be understood right and so over what 30 odd years I've used every opportunity to try and refine how can I say this how can I communicate this how can I put words to that which I feel in a way where that person's going to receive it and it's going to land for them and you know I remember working in corporate jobs where I would take pride in writing an email out to like the staff because I was like, I need them to understand this and I need them to like, I need this is what I need to communicate. And like, you know, for however many years, I was like really focused on getting the email right. You know what I mean? And so I think that sometimes we can think, oh, well, I can't, you know, I can't channel copy for people because I still have this thing that people might not, people don't get me. People don't understand me. What I say might not land. Like, that's still a thing for me. You know what I mean? Like every time I sit down to write, I think, oh, what if this just like completely goes over their head? Um, but you, by putting yourself in the way of like, I'm I'm just going to show up to that which, you know, is is a gift for me, you, you slowly begin to trust it more than you doubt it. Yeah, and you start to build the evidence of, okay, well, this is landing with one person. Oh, this is starting to land with three people. This is landing with like a whole bunch of people. And I think and it the, feels good. It as feels well. so good. It feels so good to be able to connect in that way with people. And it can, it's so much easier then to be like, okay, well, I understand that this isn't going to connect with everybody. And that's okay because there are actually those people out there that it does connect with. And it might just start with, your mum or your sister or your bestie and they're like waving the flag for you like yes keep going and that's all you need or even just you know again coming back to that internal like okay this is this is my truth and I'm going to share it and yeah it feels bloody scary but I know that someone out there is going to connect there's you know billions of people in the world that we're bound to find people that are going to connect and resonate in some sort of way yeah definitely and I think you can even just tune into like when you have been on the receiving end of someone expressing their heart and expressing their truth, how it's made you feel. And it's like, man, if I can contribute something like that to the world, then why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And so much of the work that we do through business, through mothering, through spiritual and personal development is unknown. And there has to be such a deep trust in, I don't have all of the answers here and that is okay. Is that something like trusting the unknown? Is that something that you feel comfortable with? Do you struggle with that? How do you work through that process? I think that to a degree, we all struggle with it to a degree. And like we'll we'll always struggle with it. Like I think it's part of our nature to 
avoid the unknown if we can. And I think that sometimes that's really subtle and we don't even know we're doing it. Um, But I think that when it comes to like bigger things or like more obvious ways where I'm like, you know, I can choose the, the known route or I can choose the unknown route, I think I'm getting a lot better at um, yeah, having just like more of a openness to embarking on the path unknown because I feel like it's just, it's never let me down. Um, and it's always provided me with, you know, surprise and delight and an element of um, there's just no way I could have created that, you know, outside of this. Like there's just, I had to go down this unknown path to even recognize that this is something that I wanted or recognize that this is something that was available to me. And so I think that at this stage of my life, I am definitely so much more open to the unknown than I have been in the past. And I think that that just, whenever I find myself veering away from the unknown, I think that it's it always just comes down to fear, fear of, you know, what may lie on the other side. And I think we just need to examine like what's our relationship to fear, you know? Is it something that I'm willing to work with or is it something that I want to control me? And at the end of the day, like what do I really have to lose? And sometimes you have a lot to lose. Like sometimes the the stakes are high, but I've found that the more I can make peace with every possible outcome and still believe that like still believe in the magic of life then like that's that's how I can can keep on choosing the unknown yeah and I love that you kind of raised that about what is the worst that can happen I remember I think it was um Marie Folio's Folio's book um everything is figure outable she talks about that and tells you to actually write it down write a list of the worst things that could happen and then figure out what would what would you do? What would your plan be if that worst thing was to eventuate? Mm. And it's often a really good activity to do because it's like, well, actually the worst thing to happen isn't actually that bad. I've just created this block or this story in my mind that it's going to be like, you know, horrible or something I can't recover from. But actually now that I've written it out, it's not so bad. <laughs> totally. And I think even when it is a really like the possible outcome is really bad. Like even then, like I think that you have to just be real. Like, and, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is not an easy process. Like this is really hard. Like I've had some super challenging conversations, um, you know, within the last year where I've really had to look at like if the worst case scenario plays out, like I have to make peace with that if I really want to go down this path. And it's like, whoa, I don't know if I can because it's it, it feels really big and scary and it's it's heavy. But I think that at the end of the day, like I, I truly believe that us as humans can relate to everything in our life in a way that we choose to relate with it. Like I feel like everything from, you know, a breakup to, um, you know, like a catastrophic event happening or like a, a death, you know, like every possible outcome, like take it as as bad as you can take it and then ask yourself, and if that happens, would I still be okay? You know, could I still see the magic in life? And if you can get to that place where you're still willing to see the magic in life, no matter what happens, I think that you become really like just like there's just not a lot that can can get in your way at creating a beautiful life and Mm -hmm. that's I mean it's it's a big conversation but I think I believe in that being possible for every single person in the world yeah it just fully puts you right into your own power and it's made possible yeah, and it's made possible by like by that spirituality and that by that connection to something bigger because I don't think you can I don't think you can do that without rec- like without that knowing of like and I'm part of something bigger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That there's something that's always got my back. Yes. That I know that this will work out for whatever reason it's meant to. That I trust the I trust the unknown, I trust my guides, I trust that my path will be my path. Yes. Yeah, exactly. because if you're holding all of that, 
if you don't have that bigger trust, you are holding it all by yourself. And that can feel so heavy and so scary. And yes, you can have that radical self-responsibility and say, yes, I'm making this choice. I'm making this decision. But also you can hold that trust that there is that bigger guide. There is that bigger light and whatever language that is that you resonate with, whether it's God, universe, source, angels, guides, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the language is. It's more about that feeling, that that expression that, yeah, I'm being looked after here. Yeah. I mean, like, why do we think that there's just such a huge population of, of the world that is connected to various religion? You know, I think that religion plays a huge role in helping people move through the human experience. And I think that I, I used to like watch movies. Like I, I went to um, Catholic schooling as I grew up, but I just it didn't really, wasn't a big part of our life at home. And I really envied those that had a really strong re- uh, religious connection because I, I, I just watched them or I'd watch films about religious, um, you know, with religious themes. And I would be like, I really admire that person's ability to believe in something beyond themselves because I can see that it's supporting them and their humanness in a way that you really can't get from anything else. And once I started to develop my own spirituality and start to open myself up to, hey, I don't have to believe in a certain religion to have a spiritual connection and I can actually have this connection to a higher power without having to name it something or or have it come from a specific, you know, um, place, then, oh my goodness, I've just tapped into that same sense of belonging to something more. And now I feel like I can meet the human elements with a lot more courage and a lot more strength because I'm not holding it all, like you said, and that changes everything. Yeah. And for me, my journey was quite the opposite, actually. I would see people in like going to religious schooling, you know, talking about all sorts of religion. And I would just think, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. You just seem so ridiculous to believe in something bigger. Like, I would just look at the negative parts of it, you know, that we always hear about the church and stuff. And I'm like, they're just Mm -hmm. using and abusing people and had this really negative view of religion. And we touched on this a little bit before that sometimes the things that we hold the most judgment around are the things that become our biggest healers. And I was actually only having this this shower thought um, last night in that I've held so much judgment around things like religion and, and women's circles and Reiki and all this stuff. And these are the things that have been the biggest catapults in my spiritual healing and, and living a life that I feel really aligned to. And when I started to understand the world of spirituality and it is just a connection to something bigger, that's when I started to hold a lot more compassion around, okay, I get religion. I get why you would want to have that faith. I would get why you want to have that connection to prayer and to saying, you know, to there is something bigger guiding and supporting you. And I understand that now. And, you know, religion isn't isn't the way that I express myself, but I get it. I can finally see what it's all about and why people do live that that life and have that connection. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I went through my own journey when it came to um, expression and sensuality and stuff like that because I grew up with um, a mum that was, she was a sex therapist and she was very connected to her um, just just being so open and comfortable with those kinds of conversations and, um, you know, had a lot of pride in just, you know, uh, expressing herself and, you know, dressing in a beautiful way and all of that. And I grew up wanting to, like, run away from that. Like, if you had met me as a teenager and asked me to put something on with leopard print, I would run. I would run so fast and so far away because <laughs> it was like if you are someone that wears <laughs> leopard print, And you are like this sensual (laughs) woman and you are so far from my version of like what a woman needs to be. And I was just, it makes me laugh so much because my mum would wear like, you know, like leopard print and I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm just like so activated and triggered by this. (laughs) And then when I became a mum myself, I was like, holy crap, I I'm like, I need to fix this. I need to like look at where I'm massively triggered by sensuality, especially uh, within mothers and women. And like um, had to go down my whole whole journey. Like I did courses on, uh, like I had a course that I ran called The Sensual Mother at the time. And um, I did so much healing around it. 
And now I'm like, yes, put all the leopard print on me Um, (laughs) because I get it. Like I'm just like, of course, women need to be sensually, you know, expressive. And now I'm like, I just laugh at the woman that I was judging that with so much like distaste. It's hilarious. I have the same journey (laughs) with leopard print. Yeah. And also like knee high boots. Uh, I grew up in a world of people calling them CFM boots. Come fuck me boots. So I was like (laughs) leopard print and CFM boots. Like you, you've got a a definite, um, yeah, target on your back for being a certain woman. So I was so against anything like that. Now I'm all about the leopard print. And I also bought myself a pair of like over the knee boots just recently. I ended up sending them back because I didn't fit, but I'm like, give me the knee high boots. Oh, it's so good. It's like you have to have a laugh about it, don't you? Because, and but it makes you excited to like find things that you're triggered about now because you're like, oh my gosh, imagine what lives on the other side of that. Like, I don't know who I am on the other side of that. Let's find all the triggers. I, I want to know. Yes, yes. So I can delve into because I guarantee my truest self is underneath those triggers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like now you can like laugh about it and find like, oh my God, there's so much fun that I can have now because I'm not triggered yes. by that thing. And I'm just like, oh, imagine like I, like the, the, the amount of fun that's on the other side, you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. Tara, this has been <laughs> so much fun and I'm so glad we ended on that note, honestly. <laughs> can you please share where the wonderful listeners can contact you if they want to like just chat to you? And can you tell us a little bit about the Bold Hearted Creative and your um, VA Academy as well in case people want to work with you through either of those? Yeah, sure. So um, Instagram is the best place, obviously, to find me these days. Um, yeah, my name or one word on Instagram. And then obviously I have Bold Heart Creative on there and I have VA um, Virtual Assistant Artistry um, on there as well. So yeah, Bold Heart Creative, I do channeled copywriting for entrepreneurs. Um, and I also do channeled spoken word poetry that uh, women can use as part of their businesses as well um, to communicate like the essence of launch, things that they're launching, different creations. Um, and then, yeah, Virtual Assistant Artistry is... Uh, an academy where I support women in creating businesses in the VA space from a place of real artistry and enrichment for themselves as people in that industry, but also looking to like enrich new earth business and like support visionary women in their path. Because at the end of the day, um, yeah, the women that are attracted into that space really want to like creatively contribute to, yeah, the the, the things that are being created that their children are going to be, you know, growing up and, and experiencing as well. So um, those are my two kind of business um, projects. And then I also do private mentoring um, around really feeling enriched in the ways that we show up as a leader. So whether that's, you know, how you lead your family, how you lead yourself in business, how you lead yourself as, you know, as a woman, really coming to a place where you feel really enriched in the process of that. Um, and so you can find all of that on Instagram. Amazing. And I will link all of that in the show notes as well. So people can easily jump to those again. Thank you so much for being here. This has just been so much fun and thank you for all of the work that you do when you put out into the world. It's very much appreciated. You're so welcome. And thank you for creating a, a platform like this so that women can begin their journeys. 